Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Morris Beagle, and he is co-founder of WAFBA, which is We Are For Better Alternatives. And we're going to talk a little bit about his work there and the hemp industry and what I think is probably uh, the, the bigger conversation in the cannabis world, which is uh, what's going on in hemp and the possibilities with hemp. And I'm excited for this, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about WAFA and the work that they're doing, and um, hopefully learn a little bit. So with that, Morris, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on the show here. So why don't we start with a little bit about you and your background, uh, and we'd love to learn how you know how things kind of came about for you. How did you get into the hemp space? And then we can kind of we can talk about what's going on with the organization and with hemp and kind of the hemp industry. Alrighty. So I really got involved more strategically into the hemp industry in 2012 when Amendment 64 was introduced to the voters of Colorado and which was put out there to to legalize recreational marijuana and tax and regulate it like alcohol. And within that legislation, there was an opportunity for farmers in Colorado to start growing industrial hemp, mm-hmm. which I was familiar with hemp and I've been familiar with cannabis. I'm a cannabis supporter and mm-hmm. user for a long time and things have been 
really picking up here in Colorado since 2008, 2009 with the medicinal side of things. And and my background really comes from the music industry. I've been in the music industry since the late 80s and had a record production, one-stop shop, mm-hmm. a company called Happy Scratch that I started in 1995 that kind of ran its course by 2010, 2011. Uh, it was really kind of physical media centered with CDs and DVDs and and packaging and printing and all that stuff was kind of killed by the internet. And you could see record stores went out of business and places like Best Buy and all these stores basically got, did away with their music sections. And so that was a big part of my business and, and looking forward, trying to figure out what I was going to do. You know, all of a sudden there's this huge cannabis movement happening in Colorado. And then the introduction of industrial hemp Again, which I was familiar with, you know, soap and rope and food and apparel side of things. And I was like, you know, maybe there's a way to to kind of bridge the gap for my entertainment experience and get into the cannabis space. And me and a partner of mine, Elizabeth Knight, started Colorado Hemp Company in 2012, really as a merchandise company doing shirts and hats and T-shirts. And we picked up some other brands that were out there doing textile stuff with bags and wallets and shoes. And, sure. and so, so we started a, a hemp company in 2012. And from from that, we started adding these other brands. Uh, we picked up a hemp paper and started doing hemp paper and printing. We launched an event called NOCO Hemp Expo in 2014 to start educating people the differences between hemp and marijuana, but it was all cannabis, but here's the differences. This is what you use this part of the plant for. This is you know, not recreational to get intoxicated and to get stoned. Mm-hmm. And from there, everything kind of grew into what is now, uh, we started a, a master umbrella called We Are For Better Alternatives, WAFPA, the beginning of 2015 and started adding these different brands underneath it from our paper company to all of these different events. And we've got an educational media side called Let's Talk Hemp, which we've also got a podcast called Let's Talk Hemp in the 422 that I do with a buddy of mine, Rick Trojan from the Hemp Road Trip. And this year, this year's uh, season two is the title is Changing the Cannabis Conversation. And that really just stems from you know, cannabis is always thought about as marijuana, but, you know, cannabis is cannabis and that includes hemp and it includes marijuana. It includes, you know, this broad spectrum of everything that this plant can do. And so mm-hmm. with the signing of the farm bill at the end of 2018, hemp has entered into this new space and public thought and public opinion. And we're here to help, you know, direct that conversation and put the messaging out there that, you know, this plant's been around for thousands of years. You can do all these different things with it. It's something that we really need to embrace as a society because I think that it can really change the paradigm and and move us away from things that are not as healthy for our planet, you know, when it comes to Mm -hmm. agriculture and and an ingredient that could go into so many different things that can be a replacement from petroleum or cotton or corn or soy and some of these really harmful industries that that we need to start moving away from and hopefully hemp will be the thing that can point us in the right direction. That's great. Well, let's do a little education for our listeners. So we talk about we talk about cannabis, we talk about hemp, we talk about, you know, indica, sativa, hybrids, these cultivars. You know, give us a little taxonomy or help us understand, you know, when we talk about hemp, what are we what are we referring to with in terms of the the thing, the from a plant and from a product point of view? Well, really, the only defining legal difference between hemp and marijuana is 0.3% THC or less. And as you know, THC is the only cannabinoid that 
will get you stoned or get you intoxicated. Uh-huh. Um, I won't say the only one that's psychoactive because technically CBD is psychoactive yeah. and you know anything that alters your brain and you know that can be coffee and tea and yeah. all that stuff sugar i mean it's it's changing the way you think so cbd doesn't get you intoxicated but it, it can alter your consciousness so yep so hemp it sounds like the hemp describes more of the the plant material itself that is doesn't contain more than this uh, percentage of THC in it. That, that anything that fits that criteria is considered hemp. Correct. So, 03 percent or less THC is considered industrial hemp, according to the legislation that was just signed. Got it in the farm bill, and also kind of where Canada is at, and, and most places around the world have a percentage of 0.2, 0.3. Some are 0.6, but most of it's just very low THC cannabis. Mm-hmm. Now, you're still. I mean, I I know there's a big kind of battle out there, or you know, different different opinions on kind of the CBDs, and you can derive CBDs from hemp because they have hemp. While it can have very low THC, or you know, is described by very low THC, it can have large amounts of CBDs in it. Correct. Correct. All right. So, so when we talk about hemp, or, or when you're looking at hemp, it, it sounds like you're really looking at it as an industrial product. So, not the cannabinoids in, inside of it, or the the chemicals that were that we can extract from it, but rather its material use as a plant product. True to a certain extent. Okay. I mean, at this traditionally. Hemp has always been looked at as really an industrial crop and kind yeah. of a food and nutrition crop where it's grown real close together and it doesn't look like big bushy Christmas shrubs and yeah. stuff like that where like marijuana plants are grown. And that has really kind of changed over the course since 2014, since the Farm Bill of 2014 that where states started growing these growing hemp as pilot uh-huh. programs and stuff. And in Colorado and in Kentucky and Oregon, all of a sudden here comes this cannabinoid hemp production, yeah. which is where growers and geneticists have been breeding out the THC and upping the CBD and still keeping these terpene profiles. Uh-huh. And, and I mean, it, it really is medicinal cannabis that's had THC basically bred out of it and it's grown the same. It's really not an ag crop. It's really more of a of a horticulture yeah. crop. And it's grown just like you would grow marijuana and and for medicinal purposes. And and so really over the course of the last five years, I mean you look at across America now, eighty percent or more of industrial hemp that's being grown across the country is being grown for cannabinoids and not grown for the fiber side and the food side, which is the traditional stuff that's been grown around the world for so long and what we've been fighting for in in America for so long. Uh And we're kind of at a you know, at a new position here in in the cannabis marketplace with the rise of medicinal, the rise of recreational, and now the rise of the hemp side, which includes the fiber and the food side, but it's really been dominated by this cannabinoid yeah. side of things. So it's a brand new paradigm in which we're setting right now. Do you think, I mean, I, my, my kind of sense of this stuff, it's kind of the sleeping giant, meaning that, I mean, if you look at the market size, I mean, yes, the the uh, you know medical and adult use markets for you know cannabis from a you know extract or from a you know THC CBD forms is quite large. I mean, if you look at the the market size for you know hemp as an industrial product as a fiber, it's huge. 
<laughs> it dwarfs the the market for the other side. I mean, I guess do you? I mean, I guess what's your take on this? I mean, do you see? Are you interested in hemp because of its fast kind of market application, or why focus on hemp? Why have you been interested in it? Well, I am interested really from the mass market, the the fiber side of it. I mean, that's really what got me into the industry in the first place. This whole new cannabinoid yeah. side of the market is is new to the hemp side of it. Well, and I think that it's very important. And I think that yeah. this is product that can, you can make all these supplements and dietary supplements and, and health products that are very beneficial to human health. But on the, the flip side of that, where the fiber side for whether that's building materials, bioplastics, paper, textiles, fuels, soil remediation, rotational crops to again help clean up the soil, to help have a crop that can, you know, start being grown organically and regeneratively and disrupt soy and corn and wheat and cotton that are these GMO crops that have all these pesticides that have been basically killing our soil. I think that hemp can play a major role on this ag side from a client uh, climate change standpoint, from producing these products that are great and that are way more environmentally friendly that can have ingredients that go into all these industrial applications and again, replace ingredients from petroleum and cotton and soy and corn. And, and I just think that that side is super important in the long term. I think that this cannabinoid side that's getting the market really excited and interested is becoming mainstream and everybody's jumping on the CBD bandwagon. I think that's good because it's going to familiarize people that, hey, yeah, this CBD is one compound in, in hemp, but hemp can do all these other things. And yeah, you can take it as a wellness product and take your tincture, or your capsule or use your topicals, but there's all these other things that it can do that are just going to be really beneficial for humanity in the long term. Yeah. So so let's talk about, it, it sounds like there's kind of two categories, or at least I see kind of two categories here. One is the fiber side, and then one is the kind of food product nutritional side. From a fiber point of view, what makes you know hemp so you know interesting or capable or special from a fiber? So hemp fiber has been used, I mean, when paper was invented in China a couple thousand years ago, it was invented using hemp. So papers was really started using hemp. And now we've got wood pulp really dominates the whole paper side of things. In the beginning, textiles and fabrics, ropes, sails, wagon covers, canvas, all that stuff was really driven by industrial hemp. So we've been using this as a fiber and then also as a building material. You can find structures throughout the world that were built using hemp and lime. So, I mean, it's just one of these things that our ancestors figured out a long time ago that was one of the most useful plants that could be utilized for everyday societal needs. And is this driven by its, uh, you know, if you look at the cost to produce, you know, volume or its strength to weight ratio or what, I guess, what makes it particularly attractive or useful, you know, as a tool or as a, a raw material for all these applications? I think it's the second strongest fiber on the planet, natural fiber. And like China and Asia really dominate the whole textiles market. That's where all manufacturing for this has moved the last 20 or 30 years. It's all moved out of the United States and out of North America for the most part, besides Mexico, I guess, has got some stuff. Uh And then you look over to Europe, and the Europeans have been developing these kind of biocomposites and plastics and building material products, which they've done a lot of 
innovation and technological research on this where, you know, they're providing car paneling for Audi and BMW and Mercedes and replacing these carbon fiber plastics and biocomposites with these more natural hemp biocomposites. They're lighter, they're greener. And the the push for the companies to start reducing their carbon footprint, yeah. it only makes sense that you have to find natural fibers to do this and that you need to find the best ones to do it with. And that can be hemp, that can be flax, that can be canaf. And there's others that are out there, but hemp is truly right up there at the top. And we haven't been able to explore that market here in the United States for 80 years. And I think that there's tremendous excitement from this industrial marketplace to see where this is going to go. The problem that we have currently is we don't have the right type of processing set up around the United States. It's a costly investment to get these industrial decortication fiber processing plants up and going like there's a few in Europe um, but we need to get that over here in the United States and I think once we do that spread across into main growing centers throughout the United States wherever the fiber is going to be grown I think that you're going to see this industry really blossom and all kinds of super cool innovation come up when it comes to building materials and bioplastics and things that can help industries here in the United States yeah and let's just kind of touch on this for people. So hemp was included in the anti-cannabis legislation that went in in the 50s and 60s, uh, kind of rolled up in that. And uh, it was really, really wasn't until uh, I think it was 2014 when the first uh, farm bill passed, which which authorized or, or allowed people to begin to grow hemp. Because before that, I mean, basically it was illegal to grow hemp. If you were growing hemp, you were growing pot, you were, it was the, it was the same thing from a legal point of view. Correct? Do I have that right? Correct. Yeah. So, so 14 authorized the ability to start uh, some of this. And then most recently in the 2018 Farm Bill, they they introduced more. Can you give a sense to people like what, what actually happened in 14 and what happened in 18 in terms of changing the legality of producing and using hemp? Okay. So in 2014, and uh, just to preface that a little yeah. bit, in 2013, Colorado had set up hemp regulations through our Department of Agriculture because we had this clause in Amendment 64. So Colorado really got a little jump start on the Farm Bill of 2014. And in the Farm Bill of 2014, the language basically said that states could set up a hemp pilot program as long as it was conjunct in conjunction with the state department of agriculture or an institution of higher learning so a handful of states started setting up these pilot programs including kentucky oregon tennessee and there was a handful to begin with minnesota and so colorado kentucky and oregon really kind of took the lead on this and each program was slightly different and over the course of the next three or four years, multiple states had jumped on and, and implemented their own pilot programs. All of them were slightly different as to what one could do with, from a commercial standpoint. Colorado was always a little bit ahead of the curve because we set things up a little bit differently because we did it before the Farm Bill. And there was always this, it's Colorado in compliance with the Farm Bill. And you know there was debate about that, but the whole thing was fairly ambiguous anyway yeah yeah. this this market all of a sudden grew and all of a sudden you had all these hemp derived cannabinoid extraction cbd products starting to to come out of colorado and come out of oregon Mm -hmm. come out of 
Kentucky and all of a sudden we've got a hundred million dollar, two hundred million dollar domestic market of these produced goods that is in a gray area because this isn't really what was anticipated when the industrial <laughs> hemp yeah. program really got put into place. Yeah. People were thinking fiber, people were thinking grain, they were thinking food and yeah. and these traditional things that were being done. And all of a sudden here comes this industry that most people did not see coming and and has created a whole brand new industry for the supplement side of things. And, yeah. you know, now we've got 2018, it's signed into law. The definition of hemp has been expanded to include all compounds, extracts, derivatives, cannabinoids from the plant, um, as long as that is below 0.3% THC. Mm-hmm. And so in, in essence, I mean, it, it, it pulls all these compounds clearly off the Controlled Substances Act, including CBD, including THC derived from hemp that's 0.3% or below. So none of these cannabinoids are on the controlled substances list anymore. So that's kind of where we're at now. And we're trying to figure out how the USDA and the FDA and all this is going to get regulated going down the road. Yeah. Um, and talk to us a little bit about the, from a, from a food product point of view. I mean, I like, I, you know, I see all these like hemp seeds and uh, hemp derived protein powders and all this. I mean, what, when you look at the food side of it, like, I, I guess I understand kind of the, the basics of the fiber, you know, you produce the plant, you extract the fiber and you use the fibers to create all sorts of, as a raw material and all sorts of kind of, you know, products and uh, composites and stuff like that from a food side what are the categories or what what are we kind of talking about in terms of what hemp can produce and and how is it applied to our various food products? So you've got hemp seeds. That's the main source of the food. And you can press that into an oil. And then if if you press it into an oil, then you can do a variety of different filtering things with that oil, but it's it's certainly high in protein, omega-3, 6, and 9, amino acids. It's a very nutritious oil that you can put in smoothies, you can put on salads. It's not an oil that you heat up uh, like you would Got with it. olive oil or canola or anything like that, uh-huh. um, but it's for human consumption. It's, it's very healthy for you. Uh, the seeds, same thing, high in protein, amino acids, omega-3, 6, and 9, um, you crush that stuff and you, the, the shells, you, you can turn that into protein powder. And there's a variety of different processing things where you're getting 90% po- protein powder now. And it's super high quality plant protein. Yeah. It's and how is it? Nutritious. It's a superfood. So it's, and it can go into energy bars and cereals. Yeah. And I've seen it everywhere. And, I mean, it's just and, like, everyone's trying to throw hemp into things now. Yeah. And, and vegan burgers. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, so it's yeah. vegan, it's paleo. I mean, it's, it's nutritious. It's stuff that we should be putting on our body on a regular basis. Yeah. There's hitting, one of these things that are good for you. Yeah. Hitting all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And from a, from a growing point of view as a crop, um, uh, tell us a little bit of what you know. Is it easy to crop to grow? Does it take a lot of water? Is it climate uh, sensitive? I mean, what's when we look at it from an agricultural point of view, how does it compare to some of these other crops we have? Well, you can pretty much grow this on any continent besides the poles. I mean, it's growing well in Europe. It's growing well in Canada. It grows well in China. Uh It should grow well in most places across the United States where farming is. It generally uses less water than corn and soy and cotton. It requires less pesticides and fertilizers. It's easier to grow organically and regeneratively. Um, Not that every crop 
and depending on the soil and stuff, I mean, it needs nitrogen like any other crop. And depending on the yeah. soil, you still have to have inputs and so forth. But how can you do that in the least damaging way possible? And and so there's a with this movement comes a a movement that ties in organic and regenerative agriculture. So we're trying to get away from this monocropping and yeah. using all these GMO Roundup Ready type processes. We don't want to see hemp go that way and become corn 2.0. Yeah, yeah, a exactly. friend of mine, John Rulick, would like to point out. Yeah. And so I, I think that it's a crop that can grow pretty much anywhere and use less resources than other crops traditionally have. You have to have genetics um, adapted to the particular climate and latitude, longitude, longitude where it's at. And that can take a little bit of time to do, but there's been people working on that here in the United States over obviously for a while now. And it's been done in Europe and in Australia. And, and there's a lot of well-tested genetics that have come into the United States that are being licensed or in some instances not licensed and crossbred with other stuff. Um, that's a whole another discussion is the intellectual property and breeding rights and, and all of that. Yes, uh, I I get the, um, I mean, I guess, and how is that working out? I mean, that's kind of going through the court systems or the court systems are trying to figure out how they're going to treat these different things. Yeah. So there will be certified seed programs that happen in all these states. And if you're a breeder, you're going to register your seeds and those will be certified through the Department of Agriculture or whatever certifying programs there are with universities. And and, I mean, we've we've started that in Colorado. They've started it in Kentucky. And, uh, you know, eventually it's going to go to a certified program, whereas it is not now. And because of that, farmers are having to test their crops. And if their crops go over 0.3 percent, then they're not going to be able to be used for commerce and they got to be destroyed or they can't be taken off the property. And then the farmer has to eat the loss. There's no, no insurance no pun on intended. that. So, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but when you have a certified seed program, when it gets to that point, then you're, you know, the reason it's certified because it's tested, it's stable. You're not going to go over this 0.3%. So you're not going to have to endure these costs. You know, when you put the seed in the ground, you're not going to go hot and it's going to... Yeah. Just really streamline things. And that's going to take several years for us to get dialed in here in the United States. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I think there's a lot, a lot that needs to be worked out and figured out uh, both at the state and the federal level on this. Let's talk a little bit about application. So I, I know you've used hemp composites in, in various capacities and for various purposes. Tell us a little bit about some of the products you've developed or, or the work that you've been doing with hemp. You know, where where have you applied it and, and what is that? What does that look like and how has that uh, developed? So we the first thing we got into were hemp t-shirts and hats and all of that really has been produced in Asia. We've taken materials from over there and just uh-huh. started printing t-shirts and hats and, and using what's available from a hemp standpoint, from a apparel side of things. Uh-huh. So that's... You know, that's really how we started things. We found a hemp paper company and have worked with them for the last six years. And the paper itself is 25% hemp, 75% post-consumer recycled. There's no virgin wood pulp. Technically, from a paper industry terminology standpoint, that's tree-free because it's not utilizing any virgin wood pulp. You are using post-consumer recycled materials that comes in various grades. There's confusion about that in the marketplace, but, uh, you know, that's one area that we're using it. We want to up the percentage of hemp in there. Uh, We want to create different 
hemp paper stocks and board stocks that can be put out there for packaging options and and start getting rid of a lot of this wood-based pulp where we want to try to get away from wood more yeah. so than than anything the timber industry is kind of like the fossil fuel industry that's really not as ecologically friendly as we might want it to be yeah these tree farms and stuff basically you know that those whole ecosystems that are in these tree farms are just dead the only thing that grows there are gmo trees and you know everything else is dead and we don't really yeah. have to go that route down the road when we could utilize crop-based fiber and pulp to to make our papers. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's another area that we've been involved with. And I just started working with a couple of different suppliers and we're making some hemp body guitars, hemp guitar cabinets made out of a hemp press board that's like a particle board that's all hemp heard. Yeah. Some hemp-based bioplastics to make volume knobs and guitar picks. And this is still kind of prototype stuff that we're doing at this point in time but it's a start and it's kind of cool it's novelty it's just showing you know another application that can be done with hemp because hemp if you look around your room that you're setting in yeah the, whether that's the plaster or the paint or the carpet there's a lot of things that could include hemp as an ingredient that's probably a more sustainable ingredient than a lot of stuff that's in it currently yeah yeah and i think that's what excites me so much about the hemp side of this whole kind of cannabis world is is you know the applications are are almost endless <laughs> like when, once you look at it as a fiber that can be you know the source of uh uh you know the, the the raw material for you know everything from building products to you know consumer goods and things like that paper you know paper hemp papers and stuff uh it's really is it is pretty incredible where you could take it. Any interesting applications that you've seen or that you've talked to people about that they're trying to push or, or new different ways that hemp is, people are experimenting with hemp in terms of applications? Well, one of the more popular things that has floated around the internet for a while are hemp supercapacitors and being able to basically take hemp fiber and create a graphene-like substance uh-huh. that performs just as well as graphene at a fraction of the price. So there's several companies out there that are working on this hemp graphene technology that has great storage capacity and uh-huh. could certainly revolutionize the the battery market. So yeah. that's that's exciting. There's also materials that are loss prevention materials for cleaning up oil spills yeah. and you know, going into fracking, cleaning up the water from fracking and stuff like that, basically helping to clean up all the other crap that these other yeah. industries are putting out into the environment. So how materials that can go clean up our environment because our environment's been fucked up by yeah, exactly. the industrial revolution the last hundred years. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. I think that, you know, it's, it's ability to remediate a lot of the other challenges. I mean, not just as an alternative, but actually go out and sort of fix, <laughs> fix some of the problems that have been created is quite fascinating. So, and, and tell us more about the organization, about the podcast. I mean, what, what have you been, where have you been focused and what are your goals with, uh, with some of these? So, well, like the podcast, uh, me and Rick Trojan from the Hemp Road Trip, yeah. changing the cannabis conversation is really just about that. It's like, we've been talking about marijuana, medicinally yeah. and recreational for so long that, now that hemp is here and hemp is here to stay, it's beyond CBD. You know, it is. It's building materials. It's bioplastics. It's paper. It's food. It's health. It's nutrition. It's regenerative agriculture. And, and cannabis can be all of this. It is yeah. going to be all of this. So we're helping just to try to to spread that message and make people aware of all the different things that hemp can be used for and that hemp 
is going to be used for as this industry grows because it's going to grow well beyond the CBD craze that's going on right now. Yeah. The, the, this fiber side of things and the food side of things and animal products, whether that's animal health and nutrition or animal bedding, there's a variety of ways that this can be implemented into just so many different industries that we see it as a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I think it's uh, it is kind of the sleeping giant in this industry. And I think once once we really figure out, um, you know, different applications and as you said, the figure out all the logistics and the processing capabilities and setting up kind of the infrastructure for this, it's poised to be a significantly larger industry than I think the, the medical and the, and the adult use side. Uh, this has been great. More so people want to find out more information about you, about WAFBA, about the podcast. What's the best way to get that information? You could go to wafba.org, which actually is really a launch page, and it's got all of our brands on there. So if you wanted to find out about NoCo Hemp Expo or Southern Hemp Expo or Tree Free Hemp or Let's Talk Hemp, One Planet Hemp, we've got a dozen different brands on there. Everything really works synergistically together. We're really an event producer, a promoter of the plant, a promoter of the planet. We just want to see this industry take off and be what it can be for humanity in the long term, because we think that the days of the Petro Society really need to start coming to an end. Climate change is real, folks. We need to look at alternative ways going forward the next 10, 20, 50 years. And and we think that hemp and the agriculture side of things is going to play a very important role in this. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes here so people can click through. Morris, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been a great conversation. I'm really excited about the hemp side of this. I'm looking forward to keeping in touch and and hearing how this industry grows over the coming uh, months and years. Okay, well, I appreciate the time, Bruce. Thanks for what you do and keep spreading the good word. Thanks. All right, take care. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.